I'm going to start it right now. I think um, I was just sort of thinking about you know that word lordship, and um, I may only sort of just put it into the um, my Bible search thing, and I I just put it under Nasby, and it doesn't come up. The word didn't come up. Lordship. The word Lord does, obviously, but I'm not sure if it is in any other versions. But in the Nasby, it didn't come up. But I got to think about lordship. What does it mean to be? under lordship his lordship and this thought came is he lord of my ship (laughs) because we are the temple aren't we and he lives in us so is he lord is he lord of his ship is he the lord of my ship because he's in me he everything came from him correct and comes from him so we have come from him so although He's given us a choice and freedom to choose. Actually, I'm still his. And so he asked me, Greg, will you allow me to be the Lord of your ship? Will you allow me to uh, be the Lord of your life? Will you allow me, will you give me the reins of your life? I've given you life. I am the creator uh, of you. I'm the author of faith. So I'm the author of of this whole book. I'm the one behind it. I've written it down. I breathe life into it. So you're not the one that's to define this. I'm the author of it. Your role is to come and understand who I am through it and to truly know the author of this incredible, I don't even want to call it a book because it's, it's, it's a food source. And so are we under his lordship? Because Everything else will flow out of that. Um, Our values, intimacy, lordship, discipleship, evangelism, leadership, family. Put it Kirk's way, it's filled. Family. See, I can't get it that way. I haven't got my mind around that way. I've just got it. (laughs) Intimacy starts. But I just want to say this before I do get started on on lordship, is that lordship's defined by my intimate knowledge of God. In fact, my intimate knowledge of God will define all those other values. We've been on a journey of getting to know Him. And we've been on this journey for five years, know Him for who He truly is. And that's what I believe intimacy is. And I'm just going to continue to say it. I believe intimacy is the true knowledge of God you carry within you, which is setting you free. So it's not to have a nice quiet time sitting in a corner with the lamp dimly lit and reading your word, that's cool. But intimacy is, I believe, is the true knowledge of who he is. And that true knowledge of who he is will define your lordship. It'll define whether you want to lay your life down. It'll define how you view all of those values. And it's a powerful thing to know him for who he is. And that's why we're on the journey of coming to know him, to truly know him, not have a flesh and blood version of him, which I was taught by a human, but to actually have a revealed position of him. So what do you do, though, while you're in the process? And that's why I got you looking at that passage where the true knowledge of him is being formed in you. Because you're going to have to take some raw steps of obedience along the way while he's forming that true knowledge, because the greater the knowledge, the easier lordship is. Correct? I say, if you fall in love with a person, you do things for that person that you don't do if you're not in love. 
So he is love. God is love. The more I know him, the more I love him. The more I'm in love, the more I know him. So it's the circular thing. But while that is being outworked, he says, Greg, we just surrender more and more and more. So Peter's got to surrender here. He has a, a knowing about, but not really a knowing of yet. He will come into that, and you see Peter's, what's the right word? You see Peter's um, willingness to surrender um, after Acts way more than before Acts. Why? Because he's had an outpouring of God poured into him. Literally, God, the Holy Spirit, has been poured into the man, and all of a sudden, his lordship just went into fast-forward mode. And so the things that he was grappling with before, he's just on fire doing. He's not perfect, and God's still going to renew his mind, but because of the outpouring, he's on fire. And you see, he, he, he went to his death in the state, and this is the, the possibility that we have as we, as we come under, come into this knowledge but at the same time, we have to, while that's happening, take raw steps of obedience. Sometimes it's raw, eh? Raw. Your knees are knocking. It's like, man, I know people that God has called from one side of the world to the other. Just on a whisper. Just on the whisper of a voice. Go to the other side of the world. I've got something there for you. Don't ask how you're going to get there. Just go. And so there's times, and there will continue to be times, when we just have to act. I remember when God said to me five years ago, I've said this, looking in the mirror in our ensuite. He says, are you, are you ready to go? You said you didn't want to play church. You didn't want to play it. You don't want to play programs. Are you going to go? Are we going? Are we going? Are we going? Mm, yes, no. <laughs> yes, let's go. And so... This thing is, is multi-layered, um, but lordship, as you're getting to know him, will define how you view evangelism. So what do you do when God says, I want you to go to the other side of that room and I want you to give that person $10? Maybe you don't know him enough yet where that's just a natural response to flow, so now you're confronted with the decision that you have to make. Will I come under, will I surrender my fear of being embarrassed and all those things to give someone what he's asked me to do then to see, boom, something happen. Have you ever had a word for someone and you've shared it thinking, oh my goodness, this could go all wrong, and it doesn't. It goes all right. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Anyone experience that? When you take a step and all of a sudden he gives you a word, whatever it is, and you share it and the person starts crying in front of you, you're like, whoa, sorry. <laughs> so... That affects everything. See, lordship will affect how you way you see spiritual family. It'll affect whether you'll commit to being part of a family, not just turning up for meetings. I mean, really commit to laying your life down. Being present. Not just, oh, I'll be with you in spirit, brother. <laughs> We're great at that, aren't we? Be with you in spirit. No, what about being there in body and spirit? See, lordship affects the way you look at leadership. And the purpose of leadership. I'm going to talk about that. Do we actually understand the purpose of leadership? Because if we don't, what's the point of having it? And yet the Bible talks about leadership. Now, yes, there is bad leadership. There is negative leadership. There is leadership that abuses. But we've got to get past all that, come under his way, and surrender to his way if we want his life. We can't let offense get in the way of his design, can we? 
If we do, we will never receive the fullness of life. I think that's why the Bible says this. It says, make sure you don't come short of the grace of God. Why? So no root of bitterness can enter you, causing basically offense, and then by that you defile many. You see, if you're full of him and you've given him your whole heart, no one can hurt your heart, which means there's no offense. That's a thought, isn't it? I could give you my whole heart so that I'm able to love like you would love, even if what's coming at me from Nick is offensive. Yes. And so it ricochets off me. Why? Because I'm full of grace. I haven't come short of grace. I'm being transformed through the knowledge of the God that I have, which enables me to offer grace continuously, not once in a while, continuously, so no hurt comes in or offense, no root of bitterness can get entangled in my heart, which hurts me, which breaks me, which means I never learn to trust again. That's what we heard this morning. To get to that place of vulnerability before God, we're wholehearted now, wholehearted, love the Lord your God with all, give Him all you are. Stop giving your heart away to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and thing and give it to the one who'll never hurt it so then you're able to come under His Lordship and love as he loves, and live as he lives. Phenomenal. This is, I believe, who we can can be, and we're called to be, if we'll actually surrender our lives to his. And we really already have, haven't we? So here's the challenge, eh? Is it, who's been baptized? Who committed your life to Christ before you got baptized? So you committed to death, Yeah. So we all died. I died 15 years ago. So I signed up 15 years ago to come under his lordship. It's one thing to say you're Lord. It's another thing for the demonstration of lordship, though, isn't it? Lord, Lord, we did ABC in your name. Yeah, so what? Who are you? See, we can say Lord, but not necessarily demonstrate lordship. And we're called to be the demonstration of the truth, not just lip service of a truth, yeah? And yet you can say lordship and demonstrate lordship. And this is why this is such an important value to us as a community after knowing him. Because lordship's going to define the way we act around one another. Lordship's going to define our passion and purpose and our intent on why we gather together. Lordship's going to define why you'd want to place yourselves in discipleship environments, why you'd want to reach out to others, why you'd want to come under healthy authority. That's why it's an important value for us as a community, because we understand as a leadership, as an eldership, as a people, that it's a pathway that births life. And that's what we looked at. When Peter surrendered, when Peter came under Christ, it released abundance. It released life. Not just one fish, not just two fish. God loves, as we heard this morning, filling baskets to overflow. He doesn't just give you enough. He will give you more and beyond. Why? So for the next time he calls you out of your comfort zone, you can trust. Really, that's what Lordship's about, is trust, isn't it? Do I trust you, Lord? Do I know you enough to trust you? It's really what it's based around, knowledge. Once again, come back to why the first value is intimacy. So as we said, as I'm developing 
this knowledge, there's this thing called obedience, which gets activated through love, which is motivated through faith, and I'm stepping into the direction that he would have me walk. Not easy. That's why we've got to do it together. Yeah? You can't walk this thing out on your own. We've got to do it together, encouraging one another. Hence, we've got discipleship groups. But I've been thinking about the Savior versus Lordship. Savior, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's a gift, free gift. doesn't cost me anything, but it costs him everything. It's a good deal, isn't it? It's quite different. Who loves being saved? I'm so thankful that he has justified me with his blood. He came and has washed me. He says, that's step one of the salvation process. Step two is sanctification, which is lordship. Yeah, that's easy. All I'd like to do was, by faith, receive that. It's a done work in me. Lordship, that's something else. But how many people know that your reward is attached to lordship? Your inheritance is attached to lordship. This is what we don't like. See, we just want the free gift on everything because then we can live as we want. But no, God's not that dumb. You see, it's obedience worked out, motivated by love, activated by faith, that you will receive your reward on. Jesus is coming back for, with his reward, isn't he? And so it's not just about my free gift of salvation that gets me my reward. It's my obedience as I come under his lordship. How many people act like this in their home? How many people are parents here? This is one thing we're trying to teach our children at the moment. They just can't do what you want to do. They want to. Hey, parents. They want to do what they want to do. And some of the little attitudes that are starting to come out, it's interesting. I saw them in myself. I recognized them in myself. It's like, man, nine years old, trying to tell me how to run the home, trying to do this. I know best. I know more than you. So where'd you come from? What happened to this beautiful little girl that used to cuddle and now there's this attitude coming and this is how we're going to do it, Dad. And, you know, and there's arguments and, oh, man, there's some serious lordship needs to happen in our house. <laughs> Someone needs to learn who's the boss and who's not. And I say that all in love, but we can relate to that. God gives us this physical expression to show us how he operates. And I see myself and my children. I see myself with him. And I see the struggle and the wrestle that goes on because I think I know best, but the Word says my ways aren't His ways. Lord, if I, um, Son, I, I, the way I do things is just not how you do them. And so there's a surrender, and we've been looking at that as a community, haven't we? Love and submission, love and surrender, that those are the two um, attributes that when they're inserted into our thinking and our heart, we come into a realm and a reality, and that affects one-on-one -on -one our marriages, our children, uh, our discipleship groups, our community, and in the body of Christ. It's the same thing. You say, I am love. Do you know me enough that you would surrender to me? And if you don't, will you trust me enough to enter into that reality so you can come to know me? What happens when your mindset is a little bit different to his? Because really, it's, this is about a surrender of one's will, isn't it? It's the surrendering, ultimately, of what I think is right and putting that on the table and saying, Lord, show me what's right.
See, our challenge as a people is, the Bible says it's on the revelation of the Christ that he builds the church. And he says, you know what, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So this understanding you now have was not given to you by man, through the vehicle of man. It was not given to you through any vehicle of the flesh. There's only two kingdoms, spirit and flesh. So it didn't come by that way. It didn't come through you reading it. it didn't come through any form of someone else saying it. It came directly from my father who's in another time zone. And I revealed it and it's revealed within the man. So really the only true knowledge that we have is the revealed knowledge that he's actually revealed within us. We can have all sorts of knowledge, but the only true knowledge we have that actually creates life is the knowledge that he has revealed within you, in your heart, in your mind, in you. And that's challenge. Because I've got a whole lot of stuff that I might think is true, but how do I know it's actually true? How do I know it's actually of him? Did he reveal it, or was it something I heard from the front? Because you can hear revealed knowledge, doesn't mean you receive it as revealed knowledge. So you're not altered. It's just another good sermon. Whew, it's good. But I'm no different. See, this is the challenge that we face, and yet the revealing of this knowledge forms this thing called lordship, and now we start laying our lives down. But what happens when our mindsets aren't aligned? We have to submit those mindsets. So just come with me to Matthew. I'll just use this one thing, Matthew 16. Interesting, though, the Bible, not, not Matthew 16, but it says, honor, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Question is, is he Lord of our thinking? Is he the Lord of our thinking? And we're going to see here, so yep, Peter did well to throw the nets down, but here we see Peter in opposition to Christ himself. So just Matthew 16, verses um, 23. It's just after he's had the revelation that Christ is uh, the Messiah. But it says here, But he turned and said to Peter, Actually, let's read from 21. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I just get cracks me up there. <laughs> Saying, God forbid it, Lord. Oh, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. Isn't that funny? He calls him Lord, but he's not acting under lordship at all. His flesh is operating. See, once again, one thing to say, call him Lord, another thing to have the revelation of him as Lord and actually live in accordance to that. So here we say his whole mindset, you're setting your mind on, you're not setting your mind on God's interest but man's. Are we prepared to surrender our thinking into this Lordship deal and allow him to truly, truly reveal himself to us? Because as I said, we've been on this journey of coming to know him and this is just a reality, it's not right or wrong, but as we've gone on this journey, it's unsettled people. 
hasn't it? Have you been felt unsettled as we've asked the question? Okay, well, he, here's the reality, if I can just say the truth, is that what's one plus one? Two. Do you think I could unsettle you? If I tried to tell you that was 2.2 or two and a half, do you think I could unsettle you in one plus one equals two? You think if I was the best salesman on the planet, I could do it in a way that craftily come to you and try and rock your understanding of what one plus one actually equals? No, why? Because you absolutely know that's true, don't you? See, the absolute truth of the Christ you carry cannot be rocked. It cannot be unsettled. What can be unsettled is a counterfeit version of something you think is him that's not him. So when the real is asked, there's an unsettling that happens because it's not built on him. It's possibly built on something else that you thought was him. No different to if I asked you what your phone number was, you could rattle it off like that. Why? Because you absolutely know. He is absolute truth, isn't he? You can't rock absolute truth. So as we've been going on this journey, this is the whole point. Why, Greg? So because the more I know him for who he is, guess what I'm going to do? Surrender to his lordship. As I surrender to his lordship, I'm going to carry his heartbeat for what he loves, which is people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then I'm going to find out and walk in a community that wants to fulfill his will on this earth. We're going to reach others get into discipleship, I'm coming under and being part of a family. Sounds like common sense, eh? But what happens if your mindset's not under his lordship? What does Romans 8 say? The mind of the flesh is in opposition to the mind of the spirit. There is literally a war that goes on. And I really want us to ask this question because this is where... I believe as a community, we've come a little bit unstuck because I've realized in my 15 years, there are a multitude of mindsets out there. You only have to listen and you'll hear people's mindsets and thoughts. And even if I asked you, who are you in Christ? How would we answer? This morning, I declared that we are royalty. We have been chosen, called, born for a purpose beyond ours that it's fully possible if we all submit, we can come into a oneness and spirit where our world would look at us and know Jesus was sent. But is that our mindset? And when we attach faith to that mindset and go yes and amen in a spirit agreement, not just a verbal one. I actually believe this is where the battle really lies. That's why it says that you are changed, actually transformed through the renewing of who you really are. The thinking processes, as those thoughts are renewed by me, you actually then come into my alignment, and now you're able to live from my alignment. But the question is, will I surrender? Will I surrender that thought? I'm a nobody. Do you know how many people, followers I hear say that? I'm nothing, nothing. No, you're not. You're someone who he loves, that he has bought and paid for with his life for you to become his child. See, all that type of negative thinking has to surrender. So you've got this prideful thinking, 
and then you've got this orphan sort of thinking. And they all have to be brought under his lordship. So we're able then to walk his life out, the life he has for us. It's huge, isn't it? It's not a little thing, it's a big thing. But the mind of the flesh will always set itself up in opposition to the mind of the spirit. And we can be people of his that have the mind of the flesh, not the mind of the spirit. Because he needs to renew our thinking and our lives then demonstrate that renewed thinking. That's how you know you're coming more and more into the truth because your life is becoming the demonstration of the truth. So you find yourself able to love in a realm that you've never loved before. And this is what Danny and I were talking about, and this is my last thought, and it's not defined through physical relationship. See, the love I have for you guys is the same as the love I have for my wife and my children. Because the love's not defined through physical relationship. It's defined through the spirit. So the closeness physically is irrelevant. It's the same love. Why? Does God have measure and standards on he loves me than he loves more than he loves you guys? No. Whose love am I loving you guys with? My love's limited. His love's not. So it's not defined through physical. We define it through the physical, though, don't we? We love our wife, our husband, our kids way more than we love those in the body of Christ. Our lives demonstrate that all the time. The things we do for them will never do for the body of Christ, yet there's something wrong with that mindset. Now you're looking at me. We have to confront the reality of what Jesus taught and go, here we go. Am I going to come under the lordship of what I just heard now? Not mine, his. Or am I going to have my viewpoint on what I think is true? Because when I read the scriptures, I, I see a God that says, you know, if you love anything or anyone more than me, you ain't worthy of me. I need to be number one in your heart for you to be who you're all called to be and live the life I'm calling you to live. I'll define all that stuff. So there's nothing wrong with it, but you defining it, you'll never actually get free of it. There's a mindset shift right there. Will I surrender myself to what this actually says? Or will I just let myself form my own mindset? Lordship is huge. Absolutely huge at the releasing of life. And I just think the thing with the fish is just a small snippet in the physical of a much greater reality God wants to do in our hearts and minds. Amen? I'm going to speak more of that. So if you have any questions on what I just said, just come and ask. But I am going to speak way more on this sort of stuff because I do believe it's a true apostolic um, way. It's an apostolic mindset. Paul said, imitate me. He was an apostle. Not You're not all apostles, but I want you to have an apostolic mindset. Jesus was an apostle. Moses was an apostle. It's a type of nature in the church. It's a way of living. It's a way of seeing. It's a way of breathing. Hence, it's number one on the list of what comes first. Apostolic, prophetic. It's divine way. It's my way. I was on the earth living like it, breathing like it, teaching it. 
You're not my mother, Sina. You're my mother, the one that does the will of the Father. It's nothing to do with the physical, everything to do with the spiritual. Blessed are the breasts that nurse. No, stop. Those that do the will of my Father is the family of God. What I'm trying to do is lead my physical family into that spiritual way. Not the other way. I'm trying to take them into this kingdom reality. Man, there's a, not in my family, but there's a fight for that in the body of Christ. Because we've got our kids and our husbands and our wives and our things locked down so tight. He's saying, open up. Lordship.